You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Good evening, church. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to The Exchange. Okay, and somebody tried to mess with me tonight. I mean, 14 minutes. Is that a joke? Emmanuel, what's going on here? I don't even have that grace level just yet. To, to preach a message in 14 minutes, we'll get there. But please, guys, you need to fix this. That cannot be correct. 20. Ha, now, wow. We're on a long thing tonight. All right. Um, I hope everyone is doing great. Yeah? How are you? Awesome. Sorry. Who wears glasses? Who has a glasses cleaner? It's evening service, so I can be very free. Please, my, I need my glasses clean. Can I borrow a cleaner before I start to see men like trees? Thank you so much. Thank you, Ibuku. All right, guys. So, um, Dami led us in prayer. And you may have figured out that we're talking about, um, or the message for this month is tagged unashamed, unashamed. And I see a few people wearing unashamed t-shirts. Well, two people wearing unashamed t-shirts in the room. Yes, that's how you know the missions team members. (laughs) Okay, so in summary, well, it's interesting I'm starting from the summary, the end of the matter to the beginning. But essentially what it is, is that we are going all out this month. And you may be asking how. We live in a world that is dark. And you may have heard me, if you've been coming to LifePoint for a bit, you may have been familiar with the phrase. I, I typically would say it from time to time, that the darkness is getting more sophisticated by the day. And I'm sure you can relate. You understand what I'm talking about? There is so much competing with light. In fact, there are certain circles where it almost looks as if it's, uh, there's no, the existence of light is, you, you cannot see it. And I'm sure a few of you can, you can refer to such circles. So what do we do as God's children? What do we do as his army? This entire month, we're going to be talking about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. But starting with our Jerusalem, starting with Judea, starting with Samaria, as Jesus would instruct his disciples, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they will be enabled to become his witnesses. They will be enabled to take the good news and spread it with from Jerusalem, Jerusalem was their immediate constituency. So starting with our family members, starting with our colleagues at work, starting with our loved ones, starting with that ex, starting with, you know, some uncle, auntie that you know needs Jesus, your immediate constituency. Then extending it to your neighbors and your colleagues, and then, you know, stretching it to some other father relationships till you start to talk to people who you meet in the mall, you meet at the, uh, at the nail salon, 
you meet in the market, you know, and the Holy Spirit just impresses on your heart to have a conversation. I remember the story someone shared with me some time back about being, she went to have lunch at a restaurant and you know how it is, she went by herself to start with, so it wasn't as if she was on a date or anything like that. But you get there and the Holy Spirit starts to tell you that that person had to sit at that corner, go and have a conversation with the person. And you're first like, hello, I came here to eat. She came by herself to eat. Shall we eat this meal in peace? But she's, she, the, the impression is so strong. And because she has a vibrant relationship with God, she knows best to obey. And so she gets up, carries a meal, and goes to sit by um, the lady. Of course, before sitting, she, she asked politely, do you mind if I, is there anybody here? Can I share the table with you? And person obliges very distractedly. But she sits down and she starts to have a conversation with her. Um, Hi, my name is X and um, I'm so sorry this may sound really awkward, but just while seated over there trying to have my meal in peace, I had the sense or I had an impression in my heart that I needed to have a conversation with you. And she starts to talk to the lady about what the Holy Spirit had placed in her heart which had to do with, so she, 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 the mess don't remember the details, but gives her and apparently was very spot on. And the lady breaks down in tears and starts to weep uncontrollably in the restaurant there, not even caring who was watching. She, the message giver, becomes very embarrassed on her behalf because the intention was not to make her break down, you know. But by the time the other person, the, the other lady was done. And she starts to talk back to this lady, opens up to her, and she realized that, look, everything the Holy Spirit laid upon her heart to share with her was correct. And from there, she was able to minister grace to her. She was able to encourage her, you know, share with her in uh, a couple scriptures and then prayed with her and they both ate. And at least before she left, the other lady was smiling. Now, I've shared this story just so that we understand that Scripture speaks about us being ministers, or we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. There is something that God wants to do in the life of each and every person that comes our way. It is up to us to be open to those opportunities that he will present for us to engage and to interact with them. We have an option to obey or not to. That is one dimension. Now there is the other dimension where the Holy Spirit will very clearly say to you to go and you know, talk to someone. Uh, or he would, you, you may not even necessarily be told to go and have a conversation. But you by yourself just carrying yourself and recognizing this ministry of reconciliation that you have received. This joy, this love, this new life in Christ that you've received. You want to share it with the whole world. And then you go in the strength of that knowledge and you go and meet someone who's there. Hi, my name is X. I want to talk to you about Jesus. Or you just even ask how they're doing and all that. We'll get into all that detail. But I thought to share that story to, to, to lay that background that, look, there is a lot happening in our world. There's a lot of darkness. People are not in, in, in a great place, you know. Uh, and it's not by the number of likes on social media or the number of followers people have. 
It is not by what is put up as glamorous. It's not by the fancy car. It's not by the small girl, big God. You know, there's a lot of small girl, big God that is small girl, no God situation. We're very quick to ascribe glory and thanks and praise to God. But deep down, there is really nothing. It's all emptiness. It's all emptiness, you know. And our responsibility as God's children is to partner with him in reaching these people, in reaching the unsaved, in reaching the people that the Bible refers to as the lost of this generation, in reaching them. That is our primary assignment. Now, it's easy to assume that your fancy degree, um, you went to Harvard, you went to MIT, you know, and the next thing that should happen is that you have a fancy job at a multinational, and that is all. No, there is a difference between your vocation and your calling. Now, let me put this here. Sometimes our vocation is our calling. Sometimes God has strategically positioned some of us in certain spheres of influence to cause a change there, e.g. politics. But when I say your vocation is different from your calling, what I mean is this, what you um, earn to put body and soul together cannot be all that you live for. Does anybody understand that? What you do from uh, day to day to put body and soul together, that skill, that talent, that attribute that you have, and you're using it to earn an income, adding value to an organization cannot be the only thing that God has created you for. There is more to you. Someone needs to say that to them. Say, there is more to me. There is more to me. And it is important that you function from a place of your calling. We have all been called as God's children, as beneficiaries of his grace, to, of that same comfort, that same love, that same grace we've received, we must make it available to others. We must be the conduits through which God will speak and reach the lost of this generation. So when we started LifePoint um, in 2016, actually in 2015, well, formally in 2016, the very first service we were going to have, I remember we were having like a someone preparation meeting with um, PI and all, and it was going to be about prayer. The, the teaching was going to be about prayer. And so he, he said that he wanted us to do things a bit differently, and we were going to do an anti-definition of what prayer is. So you know when you want to define a term, so what is prayer? Um, but an anti-definition is what prayer is not. Does it make sense? Okay. So I want us to do an anti-definition of what the gospel is not. Because what the tool that we preach, the tool that we make available to others, the, what we share with others is the gospel, right? So what is the gospel or what is, yeah. Please, can somebody else help me ask that question? What is the gospel not? Yes. What is not the gospel? What is the gospel? Which one is correct? What is not the gospel? Great. So let's do that together. What is not the gospel, anybody? That's why I love evening service, because we can ask ourselves questions. And you can ask me questions. So I'll try and take one question. Even though this timer, I rebuke it. But let's go on. Yes. What is not the gospel, anyone? Yes, Tolu. No, sit. It's okay. Emmanuel, can we have a mic go around the room, please? Thank you, Super. Yes, go on, Tolu. I would help you amplify it. Yeah. Okay, I'm even struggling. I struggle to hear that. It, but let me say, it's not working for the love of God. Okay. 
Let's just wait for the mic. So the gospel is, um, or the antithesis of the gospel is um, working for the love of God. So it is not working for the love of God. Yeah, this is the anti-definition. Yes. Um, So working for the love of God and expecting that through your own actions you can receive something. Right, right. So working, W-O-R-K, awesome. Thank you very much for that. So the gospel is not working to end the love of God. And it's very similar to something I put down as well. Aha, the devil is a liar. (laughs) I have the wrong notes. (laughs) Okay, it's the right notes. So I said the gospel is not for, uh, is that it? It's not for sale. So you don't don't, um, pay for it. You don't work to earn it. Another anti-definition, anyone? What is not the gospel? Anybody? Yes, Titi. We have someone in front here. Super. Well, um, I feel the gospel is not judgment. The gospel is not judgment. I love that. Thank you very much. It is not judgment. Okay. Can we try one more person? What is not the gospel? Anybody? An interesting thing to point out. If you don't agree with any put any position shared or any opinion or any even if it's a scriptural reference you have it's it's unclear feel free to raise your hand to ask okay feel free to raise your hand to ask a question but can we take one more person what is not the gospel anybody okay so let me read what i have here i said the gospel is not a death sentence It's not a death sentence. Now, some of us grew up in very orthodox background and have sort of been traumatized with how or by how the gospel has been presented. I don't know if I have any witnesses. But you just, you have been traumatized and you have vowed that you will never present the gospel that way. Because by reason of relationship and growing in the things of God, you have better understanding that that is not the God that you serve. But the gospel has been presented at some point in time as a death sentence, almost as though, look, take it or leave it, you are going to hell. There's no, the, kind, the way you are looking right now, with your hair, like Samuel's hair, wearing shorts in church, you are definitely a candidate. Fast, fast lane, fast track to hell. You know, you feel judged already in the name of trying to be preached at. Because they have used you in the course of talking to you. They have used you as the example. You know, sister, all these trousers you are wearing, it's not, these these things don't uh, glorify God. Look at your nails. Uh -uh, Look at your hair. Uh -uh. It's not even black. You have been judged already. And then they tell you, but Jesus loves you, Sha. There is no way. Your mind is blocked already. Because you already feel very condemned. You feel, and you know, maybe that's even been a bit extreme. But you know how it is. You, you, you can be in a place and you hear, uh, every, you, you are still clubbing. You are going to clubs. You are going to night parties. There is no room for you in heaven. There is no way that you can make it. 
Because if that is the type of life that you consistently live, then God is, you're just, um, how they put it, you are crucifying Jesus to the cross again and again and again with, for every time you sin. And you know, just all sorts. But that is not the gospel. All right, so the gospel is not for sale. It is free. So you don't pay for it. You don't work for it. You don't work to end God's love. Scripture says in Romans 6, 23, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ, Jesus our Lord. The gospel is not about you. It is for you. Now, there are two ways to interpret this. The gospel can be about you because, I mean, you are the purpose, you are the, how do I put this now? You are at the foundation of the matter. The reason Jesus went to the cross was because of you and I. That is clearly established. So when I say the gospel is not about you, it is for you. What I mean is from the perspective of the person going with the message, the messenger, you are not sharing the gospel to amplify your spiritual prowess. Does it make sense? You are not sharing the gospel. The reason you are an ambassador of Christ is not to speak about your works of righteousness because you did not get to where you got to. You did not attain newness of life by reason of the works that you did, just like Tolu explained. So you didn't earn it because you were righteous, because you were holy. No. It is a free gift. That is why the gospel is not about you. But yes, the gospel is also about us because at the heart of it is love. And God would send his son to die for us because he loves us. Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So it is for us. The design and the construct of this love message is for us. Okay, so that being said, what is the gospel? I mean, we figured it out from all the things that I have shared, those few points, and what Titi and um, Tolu have also shared. Scripture says in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. If you had the cure to cancer, what would you do with it? And I need somebody to answer. Yeah, please go on. You make sure it gets into safe hands. Yeah, Are there people that you will not make this cure available to? Everybody. You make it available to everybody? Available to everybody. Including that guy that left you? Anybody. Any, anybody? Anybody. Everybody. Are you anybody sure? Anybody and everybody. Are you sure? Your frenemies? <laughs> Even my enemies. Pay. Will they pay for it? Good question, Ejiro. Okay, so it will... <laughs> Will it be well, free or will it be pay, paid for? <laughs> but wait, oh, if it is something given by the Holy Spirit, like, okay, uh -uh. But wait, 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 <laughs> let me explain something. Let's say, okay, something just comes to your mind and you're like, this particular thing that is easily accessible to everybody is the cure to cancer. I don't think there, is, there will be any need for me to actually want to collect money for it because it's not something that I had to make with my hands. Yeah, maybe water got in from a spring or an 
herb that is easily available to everybody. Okay, so you just you just make the information just, available. Yes, I'll just tell people. You don't have to produce. You I don't so have you to produce. make the information available. Well, if I available. have to produce, definitely they have to pay for it. Is there any is there any is there any aside from um, cancer? What other pan, um, disease exists that COVID? COVID yeah, huh, let's even stick exactly. Let's, <laughs> if you have if much. if you have the cure to COVID, what would you do with it? Really be able, and I want someone to be very truthful. Uh, is there a category of people that you would really not give? Like people from Ibadan? I'll, I'll start with my family members first. Boko Haram. Oh, yeah, they uh, can die. <laughs> Sorry? Because then we need to get rid of them if they won't change. Ah, so you won't give them? Yes. Ejiro, please, can you pass the microphone to Ejiro? <laughs> the gospel is <laughs> No, don't compare with the gospel just yet. If, Let's... I, had, if, if I had the cure to COVID, mm. and I also could decide who would get the cure. Yeah. There are people that I wouldn't give. People like who? Politicians? You know, mama. <laughs> Some. I, I know Ejiro's pain points. <laughs> and then terrorists too. And then the unrepentant ones, but really terrorists. Let me just be honest. Let me not lie. I'll give you. <laughs> I'll give life pointers. <laughs> In fact, we'll be the first on the queue. Yes, yes. Okay, someone else want to share? Yes, someone on that side, Samuel. It's just a follow-up question, and I'm actually quite curious. Because the truth about it is, the new, I mean, the gospel, I feel, is you know, for everyone to come to salvation, right? Do you agree with that? You're not responding, so I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just doing it, because both of you said that, yeah. So I'm wondering that, like, because I know back then, growing up, people used to pray for other people to die, directly or indirectly. And I didn't know a lot about the Bible then, but one thing I'm certain about is that I had a problem with that. Do you get I mean, I couldn't articulate it. But even coming to know better now, that I understand that, see, God wants everyone to come to salvation. So when, if you're praying that someone dies, it means that that's eternal damnation that you're praying for. So the person is not just going to die, but they're going to go to hell and suffer forever. So I don't know the level of pain that might have caused you now, but if you weigh that against that, like, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. So I'm just saying, like, why would you now say that uh, would you hold back, you know, a cure from some other people? Let me, let me tell you I'm just wondering that, yeah. And, and this is why, especially for terrorists, our government is spending billions of naira every day or every year and sacrificing lives of thousands of soldiers every year, fighting these guys. Then I'll not have a cure. Then I'll not give them so that they will get well. Then we'll not spend money to go and kill them. Doesn't make any sense to me. So <laughs> I might as well withhold the cure. Then we save people's lives and then we save money. I use money to build road. <laughs> Vote for Ejiro. Okay, so, so we'll but, take Sam's last comment. And but then... even in giving them, isn't that you preaching love? I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Isn't that you preaching? Isn't that even a good place to start from? unrepentance. There are a lot of sins that we do repeatedly, but God still constantly forgives us. <laughs> no. Okay, we are the one that classify terrorism, terrorism as a particular sin. There's no level to sin. 
asking, you are asking me a question, right? If I ask you for Gobi, will I give stories? I said no. You only say all right, um, so <laughs> that's an interesting conversation we've just had. Thank God we are not God. Yes. I think that's the summary of it. The, summary, the answer to that question is that we should thank God that we are not God. Because if we are God, even I that I'm teaching this thing, there are some people that I will not withhold. I will just put them on waiting list <laughs> till my... <laughs> till, Till my heart gets to a certain, a certain place of maturity and I can freely give without reminding them of their bad deeds. So thank God that we're not God. And I think for me, what is important is this. We've all spoken and expressed different views, um, or some of us, about if we had the cure to a ravaging disease. But do you know that sin is the greatest pandemic. Yeah. Sin is the greatest pandemic. In fact, it is the pandemic that birthed all other pandemics. Yeah. Because let's go back into the scriptures. When God originally designed earth, it was pandemic free. But when sin came into the picture, it opened the doors to pandemics and plagues trials and tribulations and a lot of suffering and pain in the world. So how about we deal with sin? Our work as Christ's ambassadors, his representatives here on earth, is to address the root cause of every other pandemic, which is sin. We are all very passionate about, oh, if we had a cure to cancer, if we had a cure to COVID, we will share, we won't share. But we have the cure to sin, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what are you and I doing about it? Or what are we doing with the solution? And that is a reflective question that we all need to think about. What am I doing with the cure that I have, the solution that I have, that I have always known, that I have been a beneficiary of? What have I done with it? If you do a quick assessment from January till date, how many people have you spoken to about the love of Jesus? Either indirectly or through your platforms like Dami led us to pray earlier. Your social media accounts or platforms, your blogs, your vlogs, every tool that you have, your WhatsApp status and... All of that stuff, what have you done? Or have you contributed to the propagation of sin? Think about it. The stuff that we put out, the content, and you know, we're a very visual generation. The content we put out on social media, how beneficial is it to people? So, I mean, if you put up career advice, health tips, food stuff, I mean, just decent content, that's great. It's helping people. But when we withhold the most important information from them, how are we helping them? Hence why, as a church, we're dedicating this entire month and even beyond towards actively encouraging members to be ambassadors indeed. 
And let me address, because I know somebody in this room is already thinking and feeling like, well, but the kind of life I live should naturally um, witness to people. It should naturally, you know, spread the gospel. Because, I mean, the fruits of the Holy Spirit is evident in my own regenerated spirit. And that is great. So you are kind, you are good, you are loving, you are patient, you are gentle, you are faithful, you have self-control, all fantastic. You genuinely love and care for people, great. So your expectations, I'm faithful and trustworthy and I'm a person of integrity at work. So that should minister to my colleagues, great as well. But Jesus would say to his disciples, go and make disciples of all men. He would say to them, you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do, please? Who is a witness? Can someone help? Who's a witness? Yes, Tolu. Someone who can give an account of something. Do you give an account by living it? You give an account by saying it, right? You give an account by saying it. So until we begin to say or utilize, thank God for technology now. So your message of salvation can get to someone in Afghanistan via social media. Someone in Iraq can see it, read it, and their life is changed. They go on their knees and they surrender their heart to Jesus because of a post you put up, because of a testimony you shared, because of the love of Jesus that you propagated. So guys, in summary, there is work to be done. There is work to be done because for as much as it is that we're passionate about the other pandemics that are ravaging our world today, the biggest pandemic needs to be dealt with. A lot of young people are depressed. A lot of young people are suicidal. A lot of young people have lost their way completely and it looks like they're just going deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. I said something earlier. Darkness is becoming more sophisticated. The amount of financial support and weight and, and backbone that darkness has is causing it to thrive. The people that are at the helm of propagating, I mean, look at the entertainment industry. We were at a leader's retreat and, you know, Pastor Godman was sharing with us just over the weekend, sharing with us how he was in a hotel and um, Naramali was going to have a concert in that same hotel. And the amount, of, the number of young people Scaling fence and, you know, doing different things to get into, to have access into that concert. The Malians. Meanwhile, you and I were sitting here. And we're just feeling very cool and chilled with our Christianity. And we're just, you know, all of us, lights. Our light is just, there's too much light inside the church. Too much light inside the church. Our light is not for inside the church. It's for out there that we would light up our world. That is what we've been called to. And it starts with your immediate sphere of influence. So, just to wrap things all up. Question that I want us to talk about. Why is the good news not everywhere? And I want someone to be very real and practical. Especially for someone who has not, maybe you've not been able to talk about Jesus. Do you want to tell us why so we can talk about it? Quick question, is anybody in a hurry? Can we do like another 10 to 15 minutes? Should we continue?
because I'm looking at the timer. We need to shut it down in three minutes. But do you guys mind if we extend? Yeah? Everybody in agreement? Awesome. Yes, please go on. I think the good news isn't everywhere because we don't really believe it. Mm. Mm. We don't really believe it. I love that because it's very true. If Pamela is very certain about her cure for cancer, do you think that she will just whisper it to Jumoke and to Ibuku? Or she will loud it? What do you think? She will loud it because she's tested and trusted. Do you get? She knows, it's, she knows it like she knows her life. Yes, please give her the microphone again. Sorry, I just want to add this one yes. thing. Um, I, I say that with confidence because I'm speaking really just for myself. Mm. Because I would have thought that with the way that I love God, with the way that I've seen um, or had good influences of people who do love God, I would have thought that that would be a good foundation for me to at least begin to talk confidently about this man that I love, but it's not. And I, I realize it's because I don't, I don't know him well enough. I think I, do, I don't know him like as much as the skin on my, on my bones, which is how real he is. And I think if I knew him like that, or if we knew him like that, the Jesus that really saved us, that like delivers us, I don't think it would take I probably wouldn't eat. I'd rather talk about him than eat. So I'd rather talk about him than, than sleep, you know. I'd wake up and go to Ibadan if he had wanted me to, to tell somebody about him because that's how, that's what he's worth. Absolutely, you are very spot on. So two things you've shared, and I was just elaborating on that second thought actually. First is that we don't believe, and the second is that we don't know him well enough. Very correct. Because what, and back to my reference earlier, what, what, the cure to cancer that she has developed, she, if she knows it well enough, she will not hesitate to talk about it, to speak from a position of, you know, if, from an informed position or from, uh, you know, a knowledgeable position about it. That's one. Now, the belief part. A lot of us pay lip service to our Christian faith because we have grown on the knowledge handed down to us by our parents. So the much of Jesus or the much about him that we know is based off of what our parents have taught us or what our pastors have said. Some of us, it's only the scriptures we've heard our pastors say repeatedly or the ones that our parents have always shared at, at family devotion. That is about all we know. We don't know him for ourselves. And the challenge with that is this, because darkness is becoming very sophisticated. In fact, from time immemorial, you know when Satan was going to go and meet um, Jesus to tempt him? Please, what, what did he do to Jesus? He gave him the word. He quoted scriptures to Jesus. The one who embodies <laughs> scriptures. He quoted scriptures to Jesus. So the people we want to go and meet, guess what? Some of them know the scriptures more than we do. So, I was somewhere, 
in about two weeks ago, and they were talking about how it is that ISIS, meanwhile, I need to go and study that structure. I don't know if anybody has done any research about ISIS. If you have, please share with me, because it's part of my, um, my ne next set of reading. And if there's any book you want to recommend to me about that, because apparently they have a very solid structure. See, in fact, what the person was doing was comparing to us Christians. Our best brains in church, we deploy them to carry chairs and to wash toilets. In structures like ISIS, the type of technology they deploy there is very clear that it's not, um, it's not anyhow people that are at the, you know, that are behind the scenes. It is solid, intelligent people. That is why somebody in America or in France will sit down and watch their videos, their, um, yeah, their videos, get up, carry their bag, leave family, and head over to Iraq or wherever it is they are stationed. Are you following me? See, until we begin to become serious with the Jesus that we have come to accept, until we stop paying lip service, until, you know how the scripture speaks about the fire shot, being shut up in your bones, until your altar becomes alive, until we begin to prioritize knowing him. Some of us are in the category where we are more concerned about doing for him than being with him, than knowing him. How do you know him? You study the word. You spend time in prayer. You study the word and you spend time in prayer. That is how we increase in our knowledge of him. Scripture says in, is it, um, in Ephesians 1, I think it's from 16 or so. Please, can somebody help me open it up? I think it's Ephesians 1. That prayer that Paul will pray for the church in, in Ephesus. That the eyes of our eyes, um, the, the eyes of our understanding, I say eyes of our eyes, Holy Spirit. The eyes of our understanding will continually, consistently be flooded with light. See, when you operate from a place of light, there is nothing anybody wants to say to you, even if you don't have all the answers being thrown at you. But you can speak confidently about the Jesus you know. And I want to say something as well, just to also answer, um, respond to that comment about believing and more importantly, the not knowing him well enough. So I started talking about Jesus as a child. And I promise it wasn't like I knew much. And it wasn't because, um, well, I would say that the church asked us to go talk about Jesus. I was watching a, a video, the, the Global Leadership Summit, which held on Thursday and Friday. I live streamed it on Thursday. And Pastor Rich Wilkerson, I don't know how many of you know him, Rich Wilkerson Jr., Vu Church. How many people know Vu Church? Okay, just two people. Oh, three. Okay. Anyway, he's a pastor. So, how many people know Pastor Mike Todd? Transformation Church. Yeah, you all know him. So, it's kind of like in that league. Uh -huh. Vu Church is, is, is the name of their church. And he was talking about how his father, his father used to be a pastor, by the way. So, obviously, he, well, not obviously, because some of you are here, <laughs> you are PKs, 
and you are, you are like this, you, have gone, you are not interested in following your father's footsteps or your parents' footsteps. Anyway, he, his father, his first introduction into evangelizing or evangelism was that his father told him, oh, let's go visit some neighbors, <laughs> put him in the car. He said he was about nine or so. And, no, 12, he was 12. His father then drove and they got to this street. He parked the car at the beginning of the street and said, son, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to talk to people about Jesus. The little boy, as a 12-year-old, was excited. Yeah, because he thought all he was going to do was to carry his father's bag or Bible while his father did the talking. And his father said, so get out of the car and go to that first house. When you get there, knock on the door. He said, looked at him like, is that a joke? When you get that knock on the door, he said, but what if they slam the door in my face? Oh, no, what am I supposed to say to them? Boy, tell them about Jesus. What if they slam the door in my face? Then go to the next house. So what will you be doing, Dad? Oh, I'm going to be here praying for you. Yeah. So he said he got there, the first door, knocked on the door, they opened up, and he, he, he starts to stammer. And the person slams the door at him. And he knocked again, and of course, they yelled at him. He left there, went to the second house. Now, I can't go into details of the various things he said, because at the first house, he said, my father said I should, you know, speak to you. My father is just down the road, you know. He went to the next house, knocked on the door. They opened up. What are you doing here? What do you want? Well, um, I, I want to tell My name is Rich, and I want to tell you about Jesus. Bam. He went, left, went to the third house, knocked on the door. You know, so all this while, in, in between the intervals, he would turn and go back to the car, and his father would chase him back to go and continue the work. He said by the time he got to the sixth house, now when he knocked on the door, very violent, it was as though the more rejections he was getting, something was stirring up within him and just getting him very angry, like, why won't you all listen to me about Jesus? Like, He's the best thing that has happened. And he was just a 12-year-old boy. Like, okay, we have to take this very seriously. He, got to the, he said, by the time he got to the sixth house, he knocked on the door. They opened up to him. And he said, hi, my name is Rich. And I want to tell you about you. you know, he said, hi, my name is Pastor Rich. This was as a 12-year-old boy. My name is Pastor Rich. And I just want to tell you about Jesus. He loves you. As he was about to talk, they were about to shut the door. He said, he put his foot in the door. Closed. I said, no, hold on, ma'am. I would really love for you to listen to me because he's the best thing that has happened to me. And I would love to share him with you. He said that was how he gained his first audience. Just by being able to personalize the story. So we may not know so much now. And I don't want, us, I don't want that to discourage us from taking action. Because see, God will reward your, your faithfulness. And you know, you encounter somebody, maybe you encounter a Muslim, and I know that there's some, some of them are like super well read. They've read every, the Bible cover to cover as much as they have read their Quran. So there's nothing you're bringing at them that they don't already know, and they have arguments. But don't be discouraged. It's okay to say, well, I don't have an answer to that. Yeah, you, you, you think that will make you look incompetent as a Christian. Please, it's not your, uh, how do I put it now? It's not your credibility that is on the line. Jesus already paid the price. There's no argument. Jesus loves them. There's no, so can we stick with what we know? When they start to ask you, eh, but there's a part of the Bible that says this. Then another part of the Bible that there says this. The Bible is very confused. That is not your concern. Refocus the conversation as much as you can. But guess what? Your personal story matters a great deal. 
Because that is what you know. That is what is tested and tried and, uh, and trusted. So, and that is for you starting out from where you are. The more you know of God, the bolder you become and you can speak. But to say until I know so much before I can then open my mouth to tell people what Jesus did for me, how he healed me, how he saved me, I think we're doing that friend a great injustice. I mean, I've heard tons of stories about people who live today in regrets that they never got to share the gospel with their parents or they never out of fear or they never got to speak to some colleague or some friend before they passed out of fear. I've also had a similar regret. There's a colleague of mine, you know, who, who was a Muslim and we were just beginning to build a friendship because also sometimes for some people, it, they, they need to trust you. You may have attempted once or twice, but it's just fallen on deaf ears. We're just beginning to build a friendship. And unfortunately, she had cancer. And we didn't know. She was being treated for ulcer. You know, I wept like a baby when I, she died in America. But when I got the news, I wept like a baby because I thought, man, Busola, how did you not even discern this? How do you, you know, imagine if I had spent time praying for her and just perhaps the Holy Spirit had revealed to me, tell your friend that they need to change her medication. Tell, tell your friend to go and get a second opinion. Because, I mean, she outrightly just died based on the poor quality of medical um, services that we have in our country. That's the, that's the fact. By the time she got to America, she was already at stage four cancer and she did not know she was being treated for ulcer. So, my point is, don't wait till the time you start to regret, oh, I wish I had opened my mouth and just said, do you know Jesus loves you? Sometimes that is all someone needs to know. And they're like, what do you mean by that? The way my life is all messed up. How can he possibly even love me? And then that gives you an opportunity to say, do you know what my life was like until I met him? And you get to share your story with them. And there's, there are a few scriptures. If you go to, if there's something called, we're supposed to watch a video, but we can't. But it's, you will see it on social media this week, where the amazing Adriel talks about how to talk to anyone about Jesus. And he would outline, very, it's a very short video, seven steps. Number one is to pray. Pray before you engage in the conversation. Number two is to start with the conversation. Number three, sorry, I have to consult my notes. I was not the one who recorded the video. <laughs> You know, number three is to tell them about the gospel because that is the, that's the crux. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about you. So you must always, your story must point them to Jesus. Your story must not make you look like a spiritual juggernaut. Otherwise, you have lost the essence of the conversation. If all you go and say, ah, so I fasted, I prayed, even though I didn't know what fasting and prayer was. And then one angel just came into my room, and then I just fell on the floor. And when I woke up, I was saved. And it is all about you from beginning to the end. That is not the gospel. The gospel has to be clear. It's the good news. The Greek word for good news is evangelion. So it is important that we ensure that the reason for this message, the good news is Jesus. And that is what must be shared. How he saved you. How he healed you. How he came through for you. Or maybe even your family or a friend that you know. Share the gospel of Jesus. Number four is to be confident be confident with your story. At least that's where you're starting from. And then if you have a few scriptures to buttress it, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's related to, can you imagine you're the only son that you have, sacrificing him for the sins of many. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. That's what scripture says. 
Okay, then number five, don't argue. Don't engage in vain arguments. What you know, you know. What you don't know, you don't know. What is your responsibility is to sow the seed of the word. And guess what? As you spend time knowing or studying the word, as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time building your relationship, you begin to know God more. Because guess what? God wants to reveal himself to you and I. Scripture says that the secrets of the Lord are with them that fear him, them who revere him. He wants to reveal his mysteries to his anointed ones. He wants to speak to us. That is the quality of relationship he wants to have with us. So as you know him more, you become more like him. Okay, um, number six is to end well. According to Adrian, Adrian says we must end the conversation well. So even if they've done you bass bows, they've asked you questions, you feel like this conversation has gone south already. They've insulted Jesus, insulted God, insulted your father and mother with it. End well. Because remember, what will Jesus do? What will Jesus do? So, yeah, whatever, whatever. Thank you so much. It's fine. I'm really glad at least you could even afford me a few minutes of your time. And leave. Knowing that the work of saving is not your responsibility. You know why we feel bad sometimes when we get a no? For those who have attempted to preach before. is because we are assuming that by reason of the words that we have spoken, people will be transformed. People will be changed. People will be saved. But we forget that the actual work of salvation is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. We are channels. We are vessels. Our work is to carry the word and give it to them. God's work is to transform the hearts. Our work is to sow the seed. And then the seventh thing, Adriel says we should end in prayer. Go and pray for the people you've spoken to. If you have their contact details, pray for them and love them. I want us to just rise up and pray as we just wrap things up. And it's just one prayer. Lord, grant me the grace to represent you well. Grant me the boldness and the confidence to speak, to share the gospel to everyone that needs it. Everyone you bring my way. The opportunities you bring my way. Help me to recognize them. At work, in business, in my sphere of influence, in my family. Help me recognize those opportunities where you would want to use my lips, where you would want to use my hands, where you would want me to, you want to use my feet, the places that I need to journey to. You know, sometimes I've heard stories of people's flights being delayed and you're very upset. Meanwhile, by the time your flight eventually, while waiting for your next flight, somebody sits beside you and you start to have a conversation with the person. And before you know it, the person gives their heart to Jesus. And then you realize with benefit of hindsight, this is the reason why my flight got canceled. Sometimes God would disrupt our plans to achieve his purpose. Are we willing for our plans to be disrupted so that the purpose of Jesus are achieved? So that the purpose of God for the lives that he, because the Bible says that he wants all men to be saved. He wants people to come to know him. That the light you have received would also shine in their own lives too. That they will be beneficiaries of his grace and of his love. So tonight, we're proposing, we want to join you. We want to partner with you where you are working in our generation. We want to partner with you. Is someone saying that, Lord, I am committing this entire month of August to join you where you are working, in my generation, where you are working, in my office, where you are working, in my family. I'm proposing, Lord, I'm committing to joining you at work. In the name of Jesus, use my lips. 
Use my feet. Use my hands. Help me minister grace to the people. In the name of Jesus, I, I want to speak to people and, and unravel the mysteries of their life by the help of your spirit. Not to take the glory, but that you will be glorified through such conversations. That you will be glorified through my life in the name of Jesus. Enough of just running numbers from morning till night. And not thinking, am I contributing to the kingdom agenda? In the name of Jesus. So Lord, we are asking for opportunities. That friend that needs to be spoken to. From tonight, Father, begin to have conversations with us. Holy Spirit, guide us, teach us. As we open our mouths, fill them with words. In the name of Jesus, make our tongues the pen of a ready writer ready to deliver your word ready to deliver your message in the name of Jesus someone needs to pray and say Lord my eyes are open to see clearly my eyes are open to see clearly my ears are open to hear clearly what the spirit is saying concerning the people that I am engaging with in the name of the Lord Jesus that I would not be casual about the relationships of my life I will no longer be casual uh, such that I miss opportunities for ministry that I miss opportunities for evangelism. Lord, I will not be casual. Every day as I journey, Lord, I am sensitive to the leading of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, and for someone here who feels like, well, I'm still walking from home. I hardly ever see people. Would you say, Lord, open my eyes to see when I get into the cab, you know, when I go to the mall, when I go to the supermarket, give me someone. Give me someone. You know, uh, what John, what's his name, would pray and say, give me Scotland or I die. He, that, that was somebody's prayer. Give me Scotland or I die. He was praying for the salvation of the souls of the men in Scotland. Who, who are you interceding for? Who are you praying for? Who are you committing into God's hand? Are you lifting up your parents or have you written them off? Are you lifting up your siblings or have you written them off? There is no one that is irredeemable. No matter how bad the case looks, there is none that is irredeemable around you. So would you trust God for the salvation of their souls? Scripture says Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gives the increase. Would you declare that you, you, you are joining God to plant the seed of salvation in the hearts of people that you are joining God to water seeds that have already been planted in the name of Jesus would you ask that the spirit of God will breathe upon your testimony and that as you share your own experience of Jesus it will minister grace to the, its heirs. it will transform the lives of everyone who is listening in the name of the Lord Jesus Father we give you thanks we just commit to your hands oh God we commit our lives into your hands your word says we should go and make disciples of all nations. We ask for grace. We ask for strength. At the heart of this father is love. The gospel is a message of love. So I pray for each and every person that you will fill our hearts with your love. You would increase our love tank. You will fill our hearts with compassion for the unsaved, for the lost, for the broken, for the depressed, for the suicidal, for the LGBTQ community, for wherever it is you are leading us into, Lord. For that colleague, for that boss that appears wicked, fill our hearts with your love and your compassion. In the name of Jesus, as Jesus would not write off anyone from tax collector to physician to, you know, all the, all the bad people in his day. So much so that the Pharisees and the Sadducees would criticize him. Lord, we ask for grace not to write off anyone, even those who have hurt us, that we will present them to you in the place of prayer. 
And Holy Spirit, you would heal us. You would heal our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we give you all praise, oh God. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. Would you celebrate Jesus? Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG. Soul winner. Someone say, I am a soul winner.